are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and equipping organizations to do the same for their employees. I bring on guests who have a particular perspective or experience that I think expands the conversation about work, and I often draw on the meaning and work research I've been doing over the last 15 years and or the consulting work that I do at Insignium, which is a global management firm. I'll get to the program in just a moment, but let me thank Jobbing.com. They are my media partner and sponsor, and they are the leading locally focused job board in the nation. They are dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard while giving job seekers control over their search. Great partnership. Thank you, Jobbing.com. Last week, if you missed the show, we were on the air with Dr. Peter Kreditkos, who is the founder, president, and executive director of the Institute for Work in the Economy, which is a Chicago-based research collaborative specializing in workforce and economic development policies and practice. We talked about the social and economic issues that work that the Institute works on, and he also talked about some of the topics the conference he is hosting for the first time. It's called Many Futures of Work, Possibilities or Perils. It's going to be held in Chicago, October 5th and 6th this year, the, about some of those topics around gender, disability, and race that are playing into this ever-changing workforce dynamic we're now experiencing. Really great conversation. Good stuff. With us this week is Judy Hoberman. She is the president of Selling in a Skirt and is an international speaker, trainer, coach, and mentor. She is the author of Selling in a Skirt, Famous Isn't Enough, Pure Wealth, and her latest book called Walking on the Glass Floor will be released shortly. She is also the host of Selling in a Skirt Radio and joins us today from Dallas. Judy, welcome to the show and being on the other side of the mic. Thank you so much, Elise. I am thrilled to be here, and I love being on the side of the mic. Isn't it fun? I mean, I, I, me too. When I get the chance to be interviewed from somebody else, whether it's um, like, on, like a YouTube TV or a radio, I love it too. It's like, wow, this is really fun. Now I know why I do this. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have had the chance, of course, to to see you at other conferences here in Dallas, and, and, and you've been, on, been good enough to come to some of the things that I've hosted. Thank you. And I want to start the show here. There's a lot I want to get out of you in the short time we have. And I think that it's fascinating that you're a gender expert. So just to kick us off here, will you help us understand just the basic differences between men and women in terms of how they navigate their lives, see the world, and then we'll kind of talk more about that in a work realm a little bit later. That is a whole topic unto itself. (laughs) I know. I know. Can of worms. Yeah, you know, I always say, so here's a really important, profound statement. Men and women are different. They just are. We are different in almost everything that we do, the way we ask questions, the way we listen, the way we, you know, go into a store, the way we buy and sell, just about anything that you can think of, we are different. And yet, our differences actually complement each other. And if we would just open our eyes a little bit and try to work together, it would be amazing. So, for instance, if you think about, like, how do we see the world, men see the world in bullet points. Everything is, you know, let's get to the bottom line and let's do this, one, two, three. Women see it in stories, and we want to hear everything. We want to know the whole entire story because otherwise it doesn't make sense. Now, there is a caveat to that because there are women that are bullet point people and there are men that are story people. But generally speaking, there's, that's the big difference. 
if you ask anybody how to describe something, you'll hear two totally different things because there, there are different things that are important to men and women. Mm. I love that. That's just a great way to start the show because and what I also appreciate about it is that we get to honor and respect both of them for their contributions mm-hmm. and what we can learn from each other. So that's my next set of questions. Um, what can men learn from women? Well, one of the things that we are known to do is to build relationships, and we do it very, very well. And so one of the things that men don't really have the time to do, or maybe they don't really want to do it up front, is building relationships. So if we can teach them to slow down a little bit and start to understand why somebody is so interesting or understand why somebody actually needs something, it's the why you learn when you um, build relationships. So to me... There's nothing more important than building a relationship because you build them before you need them, and when you need them, they're there. So I would say that was one of the biggest things that men can learn from women. I completely second that. It's interesting that you say that. I I have um, really three core friends that I have kept for years and years and years, and of course I have many other layers of people that are in my life, and you're right. Those, Those relationships are things that I cultivate, I make time for. Um, and that's that also carries over into my, my how I do my work, of course, too. So I completely get that. Um, now, what about the other side of it? What can women learn from men? Now, I don't, I don't want this to sound wrong or anything, but a lot of times women don't make decisions quick enough. And I say that because what we generally do is we like to get buy-in from other people. We like to ask for recommendations. We like to, to collaborate. And sometimes that is looked at as a, um, a weakness, which it really isn't. But a lot of times what happens, now I do a lot of sales training, and so I call a lot of people Vicky Visitor because what we do is we go and we visit <laughs> and we build a relationship, but then we forget that we're actually there to sell something. And so in that respect, you really should learn from men how to, you know, do the the close-ended questions because that's what you need when you want to close a deal. And so if you get the relationship from the woman and you get the decisiveness from a man and put them together, it's an amazing combination. Mm. I love how crisply you speak, Judy. You just, you say a lot. You've got an economy of speech. You say a lot in a small amount of words. And I, I, is that always been true for you? Or do you, is that something you've learned along the way? Or what do you think? I, I'm a Northeastern person, so I am okay. a short, sweet, and to the point. But the, the purpose for me is I learn when something is easy. If something is too complicated, I'm going to shut down for a while and try to decide, do I have the time to learn this? Do I not have the time to learn this? And if it's, if it's directed at me, if I get it, I'm going to do it. So a lot of times people will say to me, I love taking your classes. I love learning from you because you're just, you make everything so easy. So if you, if you state the fact, here's what it is, here's what you do with it, that's what it is. So that's who I am. And I've always been like that. I would just comment quickly on that. What that tells me is two things. One, you've got you've got obviously a, a, a gift for communication, and you know your material, right? So, as a as a professor at, at SMU, right, I know when my students know what they're talking about by by the quality of their papers, and really, frankly, how easy they are to read. When I can't understand the papers, I know that they don't know what they're talking about. Right. <laughs> I think it's the same concept. <laughs> or they or they borrow that information from someone right. else and they right, have right, no right. idea what it really means. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. Copy and paste. Um, yeah. No. Um, well, one other thing about you that, that I think is interesting, and you and I have spoken about this before when we've been together, is that you you do work with men, but you predominantly work and, and serve women. Why? Why women? Why the focus on women? 
You know, coming through the ranks, Elisa, it was very difficult for me because I was the only female. I was in construction. I was in security systems. I was in insurance. And there were no women that was that were able to mentor me. There weren't any. You know, people say, well, they just didn't like you. No, 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 there were no women. And so as I came through the ranks and I started to do coaching and mentoring and training and everything, I worked a lot with men and women. I learned a lot from very successful men. But when I decided to start my company, I thought to myself, what would I have wanted if I was starting all over? And what I would have wanted would have been a female mentor, a female coach. And so if I could give back, if I could start all over and help one woman save some time or some money or, or stop being so frustrated or just giving them the, the path that they're trying to get onto, that would be amazing for me. So, yes, I do predominantly work with women, but I also work with men that champion women. So, mm-hmm. if, you know, if you're, a, if you're in a company that you're looking to get more women in, that's, that's who I help. If you're looking to find out why the men and women are not working well together, that's who I am. So I do, I do work more with women. I coach women almost exclusively. I have a few male uh, coaching clients, but generally speaking, my coaching is really women. Mm-hmm. I got gotcha. you. Interestingly enough, just yesterday I did uh, an interview for Tildy Guajardo. Remember her? For, yep. I know you know her as well. Yep. And one of the things I said was, um, if I would, if it could give any bit of advice, because she asked me to say something about advice for women, I said, gosh, I wish that I would have gotten a coach or a mentor much earlier in my life. Now I have two coaches. But if I would have, like, looked for a coach or someone to guide me much earlier in life, I can't even imagine what a difference it would have made in my career. So That's exactly what I say. If one yeah. woman would have held her hand out to me, just one, yeah. just for yeah. a little bit, my entire life would have been different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I keep singing this everywhere. Every time I speak, I keep saying, please, ladies, get a coach. Everybody get a coach, but especially ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, you have... And I didn't want to start the conversation. I oftentimes ask my speakers to introduce themselves first, but I wanted to get right into the material of it first. But I do want to, if you can, share a bit about you've got really quite a long and distinguished career yourself. So I would like to understand how you got started as a speaker, a trainer, coach, but you've, you've got quite a bit to build on. So can you sketch that for us? Yeah. I, you know, one of the things that... Um I had to do is I had to do, I have to practice what I preach. And because I'm a sales trainer, the first thing I teach people is how to network and prospect. That's in the beginning of sales because you have to learn how to find people. And so when I resigned from my position, I was in corporate America for exactly two years. And when I resigned, I'm in Dallas. I didn't know a soul other than the people I resigned from. So what do you do? I mean, seriously, how do you build a business? And so I started networking, and I hated it. I absolutely detested it because I wasn't doing what I taught people to do. I went everywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Where there were people, I was there. And what happened was I went from not knowing a person to people saying, oh, my God, do you know Judy Hoberman? She knows everyone. (laughs) Right. But they weren't my people. I mean, they were people that I learned from, and they were people that introduced me to other people, but they weren't my people. So the second part I always teach people is to find your people. So that's what I started to do. I started networking with intention, and I was always excited. I mean, even when I sold insurance, when I was on the phone, people would say, I don't know what you're selling, but you need to come here because you're so exciting. And so (laughs) that's what I would do when I was networking, and people would come up to me and say, 
I don't even know what it is that you're doing, but can you come and speak to our group because you're, you're just excited about everything. And so I started speaking, and I started speaking in chambers and rotaries and everywhere. Not, I didn't make any money speaking because I just wanted the experience, the exposure, and to be able to formulate what my signature talk was going to be. But from that, I got training and coaching and then more speaking and, and started doing it like that. But it's, you have to start somewhere, and you have to be able to um, give your people what they want, but you have to know who your people are, who's in your sandbox. And I had, I, I had way too many people in my sandbox that didn't make any sense. So I had to start all over and do it with intention. You make that sound so not really easy, but just like oh, no, it no, was. No, no, yeah, no. Yeah, I, no. I know it wasn't. I absolutely <laughs> know it wasn't, right? And what I also find interesting, once upon a time, I sold insurance. And it was, one, it was actually my first sales job, Judy, when I was 20 years old. And can I tell you that I really wasn't good at it. I did it for more than a year, and I, I should have seen the writing on the wall uh, I had to get a second job just to support myself and pay my rent. And I came popping in one, one, one Monday morning, surely, as I normally did. And my boss called me and he said, hey, Elise, come on in here. I got something for you to sign. And I'm like, well, what, what is it? I sit down, surely. And he says, it's your resignation letter. Sign it. <laughs> <laughs> it was honestly the best thing for me because I did not belong doing that business. How long did you sell insurance? I sold insurance for like 20 years. Wow. Yeah, I started out not knowing anything, and I just, I thought, okay, I'm a single mom. I have to take care of my children. I have to figure out how to pay my bills. And then I started realizing I wasn't selling insurance. I was protecting people's lives, and there was nothing better in my head than that. And so that's what I kept doing is I don't sell insurance. I protect your life, and I would change your life if you worked with me and all that kind of stuff. And so that's what I did. And I loved it. Imagine. So that's why I, when I was excited about insurance, that was I, I was excited. Who, who's excited about insurance? It was me. It was me. Judy, that is so refreshing. I, 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 one of the things I know, obviously, in, through my, my research around meaning and work is that whatever you conjure for whatever your work means for you is your lens. And that's how mm-hmm. you experience it, right? That's how it occurs for you. And that's how, you, how you're going to land for other people. I didn't see it that way, no surprise, right? Obviously. I won't say how I actually saw it, but I, I did not see it that way. So no, no surprise you were so successful. Why did, you, why did you give it up? Or maybe are you still doing it? No, well, I, I originally gave it up because I became uh, a corporate employee and I was doing all their training. I was building training for them. I was building a university. I was going out and traveling 90% of the time and delivering training and coaching. And, and then I just realized that the culture was not what I sh- where I should be. It just did not align with my core values. And so rather than take more than 12 extensions a day, which that's what I was taking, I decided to resign. And it took months before they took my resignation. But once I knew that I was resigning, I felt better. And that's when I knew I did the right thing. Mm. When was that? How long ago was this? Well, you said 20 uh, years ago. 2009. No, 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 no. 2009. No. Yeah. Okay, okay. That's, that's when you began. Is that when you actually began your speaking career? That's, yeah. And that's when okay. I began selling in a skirt. Yep. Okay. Okay, and and I I, I want to say a little bit about that because we've got it. We'll have a, just a couple minutes before we have to go on break. And so, why did you call your business selling in a skirt? That is so clever. Well, let, let's think about this. Okay, it was all about sales. So there's the selling. I'm female, so I thought it could be called something about being female. I didn't want to be a woman selling. So mm-hmm. I was selling in a skirt. But then if you um, think about it, skirt's an acronym, which I know we're going to talk about, but it's an acronym. It has nothing to do with the article of clothing, but it's such mm-hmm. a, it's a catchy uh, brand, and so everybody remembers it. They may not remember Judy Hoberman, but they do remember selling in a skirt. 
So. Oh, I just really, I, I really appreciate and applaud that. And um, we do have a couple minutes before we actually go on break. So can you go, why don't you, if you can, if it does, if it makes sense, can you cover the skirt piece of what, of what that is now in two minutes? Or do you need more time than that? No, no, I can do it. But I want to tell you that you have to be careful how you brand yourself because everybody expects me to wear a skirt. So just, yeah. <laughs> and do you? Always. I only got called out once. I got called out by a FedEx um, employee when I was bringing in boxes in the snow and the ice that we had once in Dallas. And he said, in the, it was Christmas, and he said in front of the entire store, yo, selling in a skirt, where's your skirt? And everybody <laughs> turned around, and everybody started laughing, and I said to him, uh, well, I'm not selling today, I'm shipping today. He goes, oh, no, 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 you tell us we sell every day. And I thought, oh, my God, he stole one of my books. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never, love that. I, ne- I never go out ever without a skirt. I don't you want know to get what called I, out. What I also appreciate about that, Judy, is I've had other guests on my show, too, that talk about that whole thing of really, really being hyper-focused on their brand like that. Everything they do, everything that they say, everything that they breathe is their brand, and it has to be consistent. And if it isn't, it, it messes with your message and how well you're received. And I, I really appreciate and applaud that you live that. Well, you, you, you have to live your brand. You ha- it's how you show up. Because if you don't show up the way you are supposed to show up, people know. Then you're not authentic. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. Well, I want to get into business and women after the break here. Let's go ahead and cut for a quick break now, though, and then we'll come back and, and pick that up. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Judy Hoberman. She's the president of Selling in a Skirt and an international speaker, trainer, coach, and mentor. She joins us today from Dallas. Stay with us. After the break, we're going to get into the topic of business and women. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. 
thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Judy Hoberman, who is president of Selling in a Skirt. She's an international speaker, trainer, coach, and mentor, and she's the author of Selling in a Skirt, Famous Isn't Enough, Pure Wealth, and her latest book on walking, which is called Walking on the Glass Floor, will be released shortly. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. Okay, so Miss Judy, this next segment I want to devote to uh, business and women. So we talked before at the beginning of the show about the, the general difference between men and women. So now I want to get more specific with, with, with women in business. So how do women generally approach business? A lot of the times uh, women come into businesses and, well, let's put it this way. First of all, they have to decide that they want to come into this business, whatever the business is. And it usually starts with looking for, um, for a job and looking at an ad. And the first thing that you have to do in order to get women to even want to do business, to come into your business, to start a career with you, is you have to attract them. And one of the things I find is that there's a lot of ads out there that will push women away, even though they don't even think they're being pushed away, because women have to be 100% qualified before they apply for the job, where men only have to be 60%. Mm-hmm. So if a, job, if a job said, you know, master's degree preferred, it didn't say required, it said preferred, and you didn't have a master's degree, you're saying, well, you know what, I'm not going to waste their time, they're not going to choose me anyway, so I'm not even going to apply. Okay, that's, that's the first thing. So first you have to attract the women. But women go in and they want to know what's going on. They want to know how they fit in. They want to find a home. They don't want to look for a job all the time. They want to find some place that, that basically complements their home life. So it has to be something where the core values are the same, that somebody is interested in what they're doing, that's making an investment in them. Is there room for opportunity? Is there training that's going to take me to the next level? There's all these questions that women have. On top of that, they want to be someplace that is safe. So a lot of times you see these offices that are in, you know, not the best parts of town, and people expect you to come and come in early and stay late, and they're thinking, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, you know, that's not a, a good area. And I'll give you a perfect example. When I had my office in Charlotte, I, had, I was in a gorgeous building. And when you walked into the building, you felt like you could be successful. That, that's how you felt. It didn't matter what office you went into. You just walked in and you went, oh, this is great. And when I left, um, there was a younger guy that took my place and decided he was going to save $100 a month, not, not $1,000, $100 a month. And he moved the office to this building that was in a skanky part of town. The office was in the sub-basement that you had to walk down these dark stairs. We used to call it the Bat Cave. But next door on one side was the Gentleman's Club, and on the other side was Hooters. So tell me how many women are going to be excited about going there. And so most of the women that I had brought in left. They weren't going yeah. to that office. Sure. So, I mean, yeah, so it's, it's all, that's how women approach a lot of different things. It's the, it's the culture, it's the environment, it's are they prepared enough, and then they, they have to prove themselves over and over and over again. Whether they really do or they don't, they believe they do. Mm. I absolutely know what you're talking about, how women will tend to look at a job wreck and say, oh, well, I don't have everything there, so I guess I won't apply. Whereas men just don't see it that way. That Their frame doesn't, they don't, it's the other way around. So I've got most of those things all apply. I, I find that fascinating, why we do that as women. Why do, why do we limit ourselves like that as women, do you suppose? It's in our DNA. It's part of one of the genes that we got, and we should huh. get rid of the gene. You know, we have that word, <laughs> yeah, we have that word called enough. I'm this not enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not big enough, I'm not old enough, I'm not tall enough, I'm not short enough, I'm not whatever enough, and we all have it. 
And if we could just get rid of the enough, because we are so much more than just enough. I mean, mm-hmm. seriously. And that's, mm-hmm. just, that's, part of our, that's part of our upbringing. All right. Well, I'm with you. Well, let's work together to eradicate the enough. Okay. Let's, I'm in. I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, another thing that I, I noticed about you, and I've, I've heard you say it before when you're speaking, and I know I think it's on your website too, but you, it's, you have a tagline that says, women want to be treated equally, not identically. Mm-hmm. Say more about that. Okay. So if you think about it, women don't want to be men. They don't. And yeah, even though right. men think they want to be one of the boys, they don't. All they want to do is they want to have the same opportunity. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's what it means. We want to be treated equally. Give us the same opportunity and let us, let us thrive. And if women are given the same opportunity, it usually is, you know, for a good reason. Sometimes it's because they have to do it. And so, and people know the difference. They just, they do. They know the difference. But the truth of the matter is there's a lot of positions where it is equal footing, you know, and sales is one of them. If a man and a woman had the same exact sales position, they both could do really, really well, and they're not trying to outdo each other because they're on the same path. But when you, you, know, when you pay a woman less money and you don't treat her equally, then, then you have all the negative nonsense that goes on. And, and that's not a fun part, and it's usually about money. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I like how you've distinguished that those terms, equality versus versus identification. That's I, I, I'm completely enrolled with that idea. I'm with you, Judy. Okay. Um, so, okay, your next new book. Now, I see if you already had enough books out already, Judy. Right. So this is number four or number five, Walking on the Glass Floor. Which what number is it? Number four. Number four. Okay. Okay. Can and I know it's coming out soon. Can you tell us a little bit about it? What's in it? What are you trying to accomplish with it? Okay, so this book is really about women who lead. These are women in leadership positions. And these could also be, you know, for men who are champions of women. So, you know, I don't distinguish that this is women only, but the book is written by a woman, and it really is for women. But what happened is um, it's about the, the qualities that we have, and they're universal leadership qualities. And because a lot of times we take these qualities and we don't think they're leadership qualities, we push them down. But what the book is going to do, it's going to make sure that as, as a reader, you're going to look and see, okay, so is this really what I want? Am I really passionate about this? And what, what motivates me? What kind of decision-making skills do I have? So the book is more about cultivating the seven essential qualities that will be in your leadership life, in your business life, and in your personal life. It also can be for any woman at any age, at any stage in her career. And it doesn't matter if you're in corporate, and it doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur. But it's about taking these qualities and showing how they can actually serve you well. And the seven qualities are passion, authenticity, courage, communication, decisiveness, resilience, and generosity. And we all know about these qualities, but either we forget we have them or we need to be reminded how powerful they really are. So I always say, like, you know, think about um, The Wizard of Oz. You had the power all along. You did. But now we have to show you how we're going to take you to this glass floor, keep you here, and bring other women on to uh, support you. Okay, I'm totally game. Uh, Any idea or plan for when it's coming out? So I believe we're going to do a soft launch uh, September, October, and, you know, so we're going, to do some, we're going to do pre-sales because my goal is really to get this book into women everywhere. It doesn't matter if they're here in the United States. It doesn't matter where they are. I really believe that this is going to be a movement for women. 
So that's going to be my soft launch. Um, January, February is going to be the big, big, big launch, and only because um, there's a lot of moving parts to it. We had to form a uh, nonprofit, so that took a little bit of time. So by the time everything was all said and done, I don't want to do a launch and not do it right and not be able to reach out to as many women as I can. So soft launch first, uh, September, October, and then big, big launch, uh, January, February. Judy, I'm such a fan. I think that it's so extraordinary that here you are, you've got a very busy, successful business in life, and now you're launching a movement. I, I think I'm just so impressed. When I grow up, can I be you? Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> <laughs> just sounds really good to me. Um, I love the idea of creating a movement. And what I appreciate about that is I, it's not a small feat by any stretch. And I think mm-hmm. of a few of the women that I've known over the years who have who are doing things, or, or men for that matter too, are doing them too. But I think of Siobhan Palmer, of course, I know that she's our, our mutual friend, um, Plaid for Women, that's a movement. And I, I just really applaud and appreciate that what you're doing in this effort of this latest book is is really making a movement out of it. I just really want to call that out. That's extraordinary. Thank you. Thank you. And there'll yeah. be more details as we really start releasing them. So. I don't know where you get all the energy to create all that you do, because another thing that I wanted to ask you about, I noticed this on your website, you've got something that's called the report for women on your website. And I didn't look at it because I wanted to see what you would sort of share with it. So um, what is it? And what what do we get from that? Okay, so do you know what the Drudge Report is? Yeah. Okay, so figure the Drudge Report for women. That's what this is. This has, um, yeah, this has uh, industries, almost any industry you can think of is represented on the report for women. And what it is, is it'll have like, let's say financial services. Under financial services, there'll be, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 different articles. Under uh, direct sales, there'll be the same thing. So each category has a lot of articles on it. And when you register for it, which is for free, okay, so there's no, there's no money anywhere in this um, entire report. Not at all. Nobody's collecting money. If you want to advertise on it, we're not charging money, nothing, because this is really a resource. So, so anything that you find, anything that you like, if you register for it, you put it in your, you save it into your favorite places, it auto-updates on a regular basis. So like, let's say we have Huffington Post is on it. So when Huffington Post puts something out about women, it's going to automatically go onto the report because we're, we have their RSS feed. I sound like I know what I'm talking about, but I'm just telling you what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, but seriously, it, it, it auto-updates on a regular basis, and it is amazing. And the, what I like about it, one of the things I like about it is that you know, have you ever tried to contact somebody and it's been amazing and then crickets, like there's nothing. So I always tell my clients, you can't ask for business every single time you call or email. You can't ask where is the, um, where's the proposal. You can't do this. So if you found an article, a link from the report for women of something that in your discovery appointment, in your fact-finding appointment, you knew was important to that person, you send them a note and you say, Elise, I saw this article and thought of you. Have a great day, Judy. And you don't put anything else on there. And so now you're going to get this. You're going to click on it and you're going to say, wow, this is a great article. I can't believe she remembered that I wanted to travel to Italy, whatever it is. 
And so there's a touch point for you. And then the other thing you're thinking is, she didn't even ask me about business. Well, that was pretty cool. I really need to get back to her. You know, so it's, it's that kind of stuff. But it's also a huge resource about women in almost any industry you can think of. So I love it. And um, my husband and I put it together as something that mimicked the Drudge Report because he reads the Drudge Report like every day. And I don't. And this I do. Hmm. Uh, how long has this thing been in existence, this this um, resource? A couple of years. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I'm definitely going to go grab that for myself. And so uh, I wanted to make sure that leaders or, or listeners knew how to actually get a hold of it. So they go to your website, which is sellinginaskirt.com. Yeah, you and then what, what do they do? You can click on the, the banner, or you could just go to thereportforwomen.com and just um, sign up like that. There's okay. nothing, all you're, do, all you're doing is you're putting your name and your email. There's nothing else. Um, and then you've got it. It's yours. And then you and can then, save it to your favorite places. Forgive my ignorance on this, but I'm, I am terribly curious. This is a really great resource that you've created. When, when, when I subscribe, will I get an email notification, or do I go and grab something from, from the resource, you'll, or how does it work? Yeah, you'll get, you'll get a notification that you've subscribed to it, and then I, I believe it's a link that you get, and then you just save it. You save it to your favorite place. Okay, awesome. I'm in. Good. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit more about sales. You started the you started to to kind of cue up this notion here of using that as a resource to be able to have a touch point for for us when we're reaching out to people and being 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 useful to them. And I I know on your radio show, which I'm looking forward to being on later, I think we're I think we're scheduled for October or yep. something that you focus on sales. So um, first, let me just kind of talk about your radio show. I think you told me on break that you've been doing it for four years already. That's crazy. It's <laughs> once a week, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So what kind of guests do you feature on your show? And what do you talk about? I talk about anything that has a that brings value to women. That's it. So if okay. you you know, it doesn't really matter what your business is, as long as you can bring value to women. Because that is the most important thing. So you could be a um, a holistic practitioner, you can be a keynote speaker. You can be a plumber. You can, whatever it is, as long as you can take your profession and bring it down to a, um, uh, something that's of value to women. That's all it is. And what I do is um, I always have two guests every single week, and I don't necessarily put them on together. It just they're on my calendar. And so the week before, I look at them and I think, okay, so how do I connect these two people? And I come up with a theme. And so that's, how, that's what my show is about. There's a theme. So the first question or two is about that theme. And then after that, um, I get to brag about my guests. And that's it. Just like what you're doing. Same thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, I can't wait to be on the other end of it. It'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a lot of fun. And it's not anything that, you know, I really, I, there's nothing that I can trap you with or surprise you with. Although I will say that one of my guests many years ago, I said to her, oh my God, I love your mission statement. She said, my mission statement, my mission statement, my mission statement. Fortunately, I had her mission statement written down and I said, you know, the one that says this, she goes, oh yeah, my mission statement. So now if I, (laughs) I make sure that if I ask a question that maybe somebody doesn't know the answer, I have it right there. (laughs) 
You know that is that's so smart, and I, I, I've, I love listening like to, to to think programs like Think, and I wonder how mu- how much of that is really well scripted. They they must have all the the questions in advance, et cetera, in order to prepare the guests. I would think, I like to have some sort of semblance of of a plan of what we're going to talk about, so that people can right. reflect on what we're going to talk about too. So I I I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, and I start promoting the week before, so you'll always see what the theme is. It's not like you're going to walk in and say, well, I'm a coach and you're talking about, um, you know, habits. So I don't know anything about habits. That's not my, that's not my forte. Well, okay. So that doesn't have to be, it's just an opinion question, Mm. you know? So, Mm. yeah. Um, Well, I want to, while we're talking about sales here, I, I, want to hear about your skirt concept. We've got some time before the break here. So would you lay out for us about what is, what does skirt stand for? Let's start with that. And then I'd love to hear about how we can leverage some of these concepts for better sales results. And if we've got to pick that part up after the break, that's fine. But what does skirt stand for? Okay, so the S is for standing out. We live in the noisiest world possible. So how do you stand out? How do, what, what's unique about you? How do you know um, who your person is? You know, so it's all of that. It's how do you stand out and be the expert in your space. The K is for keys to success. So you're doing some great things, and maybe there's one thing that you're doing exceptionally well. Well, how do we tweak that to make it even better, bigger and better? The I is um, inspiration. Are you inspiring to people? Do you need inspiration? How about your core values? How do they line up with your, um, your goals? Are they in alignment? The R is results, because obviously no matter what happens in sales, you're judged by your results, whether it's a dollar amount or it's a number amount or it's new clients or whatever it is, you have to have results. And how do you reach for even you know, greater results than you can possibly imagine? So we talk about crazy numbers also. And then the T is the big one. No matter who you are, no matter what gender you are, no matter what age bracket, doesn't matter, it's time management. And everybody has a challenge with time management. It could be something tiny. It could be like, I just can't get myself moving. So we all talk about time management. So that's what it is. That's my skirt. I appreciate that. I want to talk more about that and how we can actually use them for better sales results. But let's pick that up after the break. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We were on the air with Judy Hoberman, who was president of Selling in a Skirt. And she's an international speaker, trainer, coach, and mentor. She joins us today from Dallas. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. 
been inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are with host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan, live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Judy Hoberman. She is president of Selling in a Skirt and an international speaker, trainer, coach, and mentor. She is the author of Selling in a Skirt, Famous Isn't Enough, Pure Wealth, and her latest book, which is called Walking on the Glass Floor, will be released shortly. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So, Judy, before the break, you were sharing with us what SKIRT stands for in terms of your program here. I want to next, if we can, just really delve into that concept, that program that you offer here, and consider how we can use that to improve our sales results, improve just traction in business in general. So, S, you said, was for... Standing out. Standing out. Standing out. Okay. So, if you, if you think about salespeople, there, you know, I, I work with a lot of uh, financial people, a lot of realtors, and the first question I'll always ask them is, okay, look around this room. There's 50 people in the room. How many of you are competitors? And they go, myself and 49. I'm like, no. <laughs> right. Because you're not competitors. Think about, let's, let's think about realtors for a second. Okay? So, a realtor has, everybody has a different market they want to work with. This one wants to work with... Um, new new home buyers. This one wants to work with million dollar buyers. This one wants to work with veterans. This one wants to work with women. I said, so you're not competitors. I said you can be um, strategic partners. You know, look at it like that. And so when you take away the negative part of it and you make it more positive, that's that's the mindset. So how do you stand out? How do you how do you come? How do you show up? How do you come to the table and say I am the expert? And I make them all tell me what they're the expert in. You know, if you think about it, it's very hard to say, I am an expert. I mean, I was given the title gender expert by Fox Business News. You think I'm going to give that up? No, I own that. (laughs) That's mine. Thank you very much. That's right. And you have to own it. That's what I'm saying. You have to own the title and you have to, you know, you have to let people know. So when they're looking for a person, they know that Elise is the expert in X. That's what it is. Okay, standing out. I I get that. And I can remember, Judy, years ago, when I first got into selling information technology staffing services in Seattle, I'm pretty sure I'm not kidding that I did have about 160 competitors, something like that. And you're right. How do you stand out? And the way that I stood out was, of course, my service level. And the way that I actually marketed, I used to actually make cookies most Sunday nights, and then I would bring them around on Monday morning in a basket and waft them through the offices that I wanted to call on. And it was like my calling card, and it was a way that I stood out. So I get that. Beautiful. Awesome. Okay, so keys number, number sort of K is for keys to success. Tell yeah. us about that one. Okay, so what do you have in your toolbox that 
that makes you, now that you know that you're the expert, what do you have to actually prove that? So for me, my key was asking questions. And, and again, I was dubbed the title Question Queen. Now, that could be negative or positive, but I'm taking it as a positive <laughs> because I like to show people that I was interested in them, not interesting to them, and that's a big difference. And so I would ask a ton of questions. And the more questions I asked, the more open-ended questions, they would start talking to me. So I didn't just get the yes, no, maybe so. I got more than that. So I would never have said to somebody, uh, do you want an insurance policy? When do you want to start it? How much do you want to spend? But I would say, tell me why it's so important to have this policy in place. I got all of those answers anyway, but now I got the why. There's nothing mm-hmm. more valuable than the why. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. So, those, so the keys to success are something that you have, and you are, you know, we're going we're gonna to put that on steroids for you. So that's the K. Okay. I is for inspiration. So think about this. I mean, when you are in a slump or whatever, what inspires you? Who inspires you? Do you read? Do you listen to tapes? You know, for me, it's music. I like to listen to music. And if I need to be pumped up, I'll listen to crazy music. And if I need to be calmed down, I listen to um, classical music. So it's all about, like, what inspires you. But on the flip side, you have to remember that you are inspiring people even when you don't know it. And the reason I say that is because... You know, if you think about somebody that may have heard you speak five years ago and comes up and says, you know, I remembered every word and I knew you were talking to me. And how would you know this? You wouldn't. So everything you do, you have to be able to inspire people. Um, I was at a, I was speaking for a real estate uh, association last week, and the woman that introduced me, I mean, I know her, but I don't know her. I mean, I know her. And when she got up and she gave her speech and she was talking about, you know, I guess you didn't know that I was shy and I guess you didn't know. She was talking about herself. She said, and I just want to let you know that four years ago I was at an event and I heard Judy speak and I knew there was nobody else in the audience but me. And she changed my life that day. Wow. Now, first of all, how do you get up after that without right. right, right. But So that's what I'm saying. I mean, you don't know who you're inspiring. You just don't know. So make sure that what you do every day is authentic. And then on top of that, make sure what you're doing does not compromise your core values. Because once you do that, you'll never be happy. There'll be that internal conflict all the time. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. The inspiration thing, you know, I'm so grateful that I get to do work that lets me talk to audiences and with audiences. It's such a privilege. And so I appreciate mm-hmm. very much what you said about that we just don't know when we might inspire someone. I, I, I hope that happens occasionally for me. I oh, hope. I'm sure it does. Did you ever see the, the little, the little um, image on Facebook? And it has the woman that's doing sit-ups or push-ups or something. And it says, don't quit because you don't know who's watching. And there she has her little tiny baby doing push-ups with her. Oh, no, I didn't see that, but yeah, I love it. But, but you get the visual, right? Yeah, sure do. Sure yeah. do. Okay, so R is for results. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing that people look for more in sales than results. There's nothing. So how do, how do you get the results? What, what is it that you want to do, and are you putting your goals down, and are there money goals, and there are marketing goals. I mean, there's so many things that you have to do in order to get the results that you want. But even when you decide that I'm going to make more money or I'm going to have more clients or whatever, you have to really reach. And you have, to, you have to push yourself to reach, not that you're overwhelmed, but not that it's so easy that you just say, oh, I don't need to do this. 
So results are, are where it's at. And then the other part of that is you have to be able to take the big number, whatever that is, and you have to be able to eat the elephant because the big number is the elephant, and each bite that you take is how you eat it. So, for instance, if I said to you, okay, so, Elise, you're in real estate and you want to sell 144 houses this year. Well, that's a lot of houses. But if you think about it, it's only 12 houses a month. I would rather say I'm going to sell 12 houses a month than 144 per year. So you I start would, too. With the big, yeah, you start with the big number and you just go backwards. So your results. Okay. Okay, so it makes it, 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 it what it does. What what I get from that, Judy, is that you you can then kind of change your head trip on it, right? Because right. 144 does sound like a really big number, but yes. 12 sounds much more manageable. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Now this next one here, I'm going to hang on every everything that you say. In addition, the T <laughs> for time management, because boy, I need I need to do this much better. So time management. Okay. So one of the things about time management is that you have to make everything you do important. Nothing that you're doing is not important. And so what I make people do is I make them take their technology-based brain and put it away and take out a paper calendar, okay? And the reason I say that is because people are very visual. And if you have to first open your phone or open your computer, you're not visual. So I, I always, I've always done this. Whenever I would hire somebody, I would buy them a blotter-sized calendar. So this is the big desk calendars. And so when I coach people, I make them go and buy one. And so you take different color markers, make it pretty. I don't care what you do with it, but you need to put down the things that you must do every single day, every, you know, for the week. And if you have children, they go first because that's what happens with moms. We do that first. So whether they have orthodontist or whether they have a game or whatever, it goes on your calendar. And then you put down um, your spouse or your partner and then yourself. These are the things you have to do. And then you say, well, you know, I also would like to have date night with my husband, so I'm going to do that on Thursdays. And now you look at your calendar, everything's on there, it looks really pretty. But then you get to see where there's gaps. So what happens when there's gaps? Okay, well, if you're an entrepreneur, one of the things you have to do is you have to market and sell. So that goes on your calendar. Okay, it has to go on your calendar. If you don't put it on your calendar, you just go, well, you know, maybe if I have time, I'll do it later. And you don't do it at all. So everything goes on your calendar. And your time is managed better when you visually can see what's going on. But there's a second part to that because when you do this, if you have children at home and they see themselves on your calendar, they feel like they're part of your business. And they are so mm. proud of you, and they get to see, wow, mom is coming to my game because it's on the calendar. And, and I, it, I'm telling you, that's one of the best ways to do time management is to let people know where you are and what you're doing. And it holds you accountable as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. I do. I am a pretty big I – do, I use a paper calendar, and I also use technology, too, because it's part of the way that the firm does, does its, its calendaring, of course. But I, I live from my paper calendar for the same reason. I've got to see how it's all laid out. Mm-hmm. So um, yep. that makes sense, sense. That makes great sense to me. Yep. And then the other part is it's all about prioritizing. You have to mm. prioritize. And a lot of us put so much stuff on our plates, just so much stuff. So you have to go back and say, okay, what is the things that I must do, things that I want to do, and things that would be nice if I could do that. And that's how you have to decide because, you know, you have to do certain things, whether it's paying your bills or picking your kids up or whatever it is or getting that project done. Those are the have-to-dos. The, uh, you know, I want to do that would be, you know, I want to go out to lunch or I want to be able to take a class or whatever. Those are the want-to-dos. And the things that would be nice to do would be, well, you know, I, I would like to go um, uh, to the spa for three days or I would like to, you know, when you clean up your stuff, 
you get those like-to-dos, I'd like to do mm. that someday, they become your want-to-dos. And so, you know, you just move things up and down your, your uh, chart. And I would think that's motivating. That makes a lot of sense to me. I, I, I do find that things always take longer to do than I ever expect. Mm-hmm. Always. All right, we're getting close to the end here, and I want to make sure that uh, I'd like to be able to let listeners think about how they can use what we've been talking about. You have given a ton of useful tips and information, been very generous with that, Judy. Thank you. And I'm always talking about, you know, the importance of having a coach, and obviously both of us are coaches. I mentioned I myself have two coaches. Can you maybe give us maybe one example of, of a success story, someone that you've worked with, don't tell us their names or whatever, yeah. that you could that maybe is shows just the benefit of working with a coach. Okay, so I worked with a young woman, and she was told to get a coach, and she found me, and she was on the East Coast, and I'm in Dallas, and so we did our coaching um, virtually, and she kept telling me that nobody took her seriously, nobody took her seriously, she was just a cute little blonde, and blah 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 blah. And she sounded very intelligent, and I, I had this picture in my head of what she looked like, because if you, somebody keeps telling you what they look like, you have this picture. Well, anyway, I was going to be on the East Coast speaking, and I said to her, do you think we could meet? And she said, well, I'd love that. That would be awesome. Well, when I met her, I did not notice the person that walked up to me, because here was this professional woman dressed beautifully. Yeah, she had blonde hair, but it was up in a, a bun thing. Um, I had no idea that this was the woman that I was speaking to. And so I looked at her and I said, why do you tell everybody that you're young and blonde? She goes, well, that's what everybody told me. I said, why don't you tell people, you know, you're a professional and start describing yourself the way that you need to describe a professional businesswoman. And so we did a whole um, session on confidence. And let me tell you how different her whole life has been because she doesn't refer to herself as a young blonde anymore. And she's gotten the position she was looking for. And, I mean, I'm not going to say this is all because I coached her doing that, but I changed her mindset, and I changed yes. the way she thought about herself. And, and the only way that it works is if the person is open to that. You know, you can tell somebody you need to do this, but if they're not open to it, they're not going to do it. That's right. So um, she was it, was, it was amazing. And I've watched her growth, and I've watched her transformation. And, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's truly amazing. It truly is amazing. And I love things like that, when you can actually see what's going on. Yeah, and offering a different mindset, challenging thinking, that I think there's so much value. That's what I get from my coaches. This, are, wait, really? Are you sure about that? Yeah. Okay, we're coming to close here. Just maybe 30 seconds, Judy. What would you like to leave our listeners with? I would like to leave your listeners with the fact that, you know, everybody's doing something amazing, but nobody's doing anything more amazing than what you're doing. So stick to your guns. Know who your, uh, who your people are, who's your perfect person. Find them, do business with them, and tell them rinse and repeat. Keep doing it because this is your bread and butter. These are the people that love you and adore you. Keep them happy. Give them a great experience. Wonderful way to finish, Judy. And thank you for joining me on the show and being on the other side of the mic. Thank you. If you want to learn more about Judy Hoberman and the work she and her team are doing at Selling in a Skirt, visit the website sellinginaskirt.com. Next week, we'll be on the air with Joy Shudikoff. She is a recognized leader for business lifestyle design for women, and she's the author of What's Next? The Seven Steps to Discover Your Big Idea and Create a Wildly Successful Business. We'll be talking about strategy in starting a business, scaling it, and cash flow, and managing productivity. See you then. Remember that work is one-third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. 
We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. We'll be right back.